Welcome to the Mind Way Bueno Women in Business podcast to inspire, empower, strengthen, support, and motivate you on your walk as a woman in business. I'm Justine Murphy, founder and CEO of Mind Way Bueno. Here we are. We are back with another brilliant guest today, episode eight of season three. We are plowing through this season now, and I'll be introducing my guest shortly. Today's topic is all about starting over. Done a lot of that lately. I think the reality is, you know, new chapters, life is always changing. And I guess connecting and interconnecting with previous topics that we've talked about, you know, it's having purpose and authenticity, marching to the beat of your own drum, and ultimately, if there's things that just don't make you happy, you need to change them. And you have the power to do that. Belief in yourself to do that. Anyone should be plodding along in any capacity in business or in life, miserable and not happy. And if you're not feeling it, do something about it. I've had many times in my life, multiple periods of time in my life from my childhood to my early 20s, where I had to start over. And I guess that's been ingrained in me, went through traumatic times as a child, had to escape situations, not once, but then twice in my later years, and then started over, you know, completely started over. I went and left the UK and went to go and join Super Yachts as a chef and trained myself up and changed my entire world. Everything is possible. Look at everything I built and grew in me. Yorker and then the pandemic came and hey presto guess what had to start over again in so many ways and then now off the back of my last year again having to start over is pretty good at doing it now and I think it's the reality of just always chasing the happiness and wanting what gives you a better quality of life and not tolerating or accepting or putting up with anything else and not being happy not feeling fulfilled I think that's massively important I think we should all strive for that if there's anything ever bothering you or niggling you that makes you kind of question your happiness or your purpose or if what you're doing in your business is the right direction or not and wanting to change it, then you've got the power to do that. And again, you're going to rip that bandaid off and just make it happen. You're the only one who can. That's the thing. And you've got to be prepared to put the time in, put the work in, put the effort in, have that drive and determination and that perseverance to get you there. And oh my goodness, once you are, then, you know, all the happiness will flow and all the goodness will come and you're only going to be right where you're meant to be and accelerate in all the right ways. All the success and all the goodness comes from that. Our guest today is fabulous. We met since I've been here in London. I'm tracking her down, but I kind of cover all of that into the interview. So let's, uh, without any further ado, meet our next guest. So a very big welcome to Anna Middleton, aka the London Hygienist. Welcome, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Good to have you here. And obviously I know you because you clean my teeth for me. Probably like most people, I go in before my appointment with you, you have to be really good at my flossing and scrubbing before I come and see you. You are very good. And I always love seeing you so we can have our amazing chats as well as carry out your treatment. Exactly. So Anna is the London Hygienist. She's based in Chelsea. She's amazing. I tracked down the best woman in London for the job. And that's how we became connected. And Anna's got this really inspiring background and story because she didn't just magically become the London hygienist doing all that she does, cleaning all these different individuals and celebrities' teeth. And obviously this episode is called Starting Over. So Anna, if you can share with everyone listening a little bit about how you came to be where you are today and the different routes you kind of went through in order to get there. 
So if we go back to maybe when I needed to leave school, that's always um, a good starting point. We're going rewinding right back. Okay. Yeah. So I never finished my A-levels. I got one AS level and then just the whole academia thing for me at 17, I was done with it. Up until that point, though, I had also been working in like hospitality, you know, bars, restaurants. Um, I think I just wanted to crack on and start working. But my original passion was always music. And my mum was desperate for me to carry on studying. So she was like, can you at least maybe do like a music course or something? So I was like, fine, I'll do something to keep the parents happy, but also keep myself happy. So I ended up doing sound engineering and music tech. And it was two days a week, which was great because it then meant the rest of the time I could work. And those two days a week were classed as full-time education. So I did that, completed my two-year training, and then I started working for an arts company. And that's when I realized that I wasn't a very talented musician, and nor did I want a career in music. I think I realized that music was my passion. You know, I played the piano my whole life, did music at school, really enjoyed it, but it was a hobby and it was more of an escape, that it was something that I wanted to pursue. So then... I just carried on sort of many fingers in pies in terms of the different jobs I had. And it was probably around the time of the recession. Um, At that time, I was working for the arts company, working in a bar. And I think I was doing like a telesales job on the side as well. And then pretty much overnight, I lost all my jobs because of the recession. Wow. The bar closed. The telesales company, I think, got investigated and closed down. And then the arts company lost all its funding for the projects that I happened to work on. So it was very much a, what do I do now? And I'm only in my early 20s at this stage. And my parents were living abroad as well. So very much a, what do I do now? As things started to come back to life again, I was working in a bar and a restaurant, but it was getting to that point where I was like, this isn't a career. You know, I'd worked in hospitality for 10 years by this point. And I was like, I want to study again, but I'm equally, I'm not in a position where I can study and necessarily afford to not be earning at the same time. Medicine and science was always my second love. And that's, in fact, the only A-level I have is an AS in biology. So then when I was working, one of my friends who was a dental nurse said, well, have you thought about becoming a dental nurse? I was like, well, actually... That doesn't sound too bad because you kind of get your medicine and science, but without that emotional attachment that you may have if you were, for example, like a doctor or a surgeon or something, because that part of, I guess, dealing with human feelings and emotions wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to pursue. So then I walked all the way around Exeter, which was my hometown, um, handing out my CV to various dental clinics, hoping that someone would take me on as an apprentice. And after many visits to many places, I finally got a job as a dental nurse. It was rubbish. It was £6.25 an hour. And I was probably 24, maybe nearly 24, 25 at this time. I still had to hold down two more jobs. I still had an evening job. Just to pay the rent, I guess, just to afford to live. Yeah. So I was going to say the take home from my salary was enough to cover that. But then everything extra, I basically carried on working at a bar and a restaurant. And then on the weekends, I used to do promo work. So I used to sell perfume or was like a casino hostess once and oh my goodness love it (laughs) I dressed up as a giant mobile phone once I think and walked up and down the high street to make my ends meet (laughs) girl's gonna do what a girl's gonna do yeah I was happy because I all of a sudden felt like I was using my brain again and I was learning new things and new skills and actually managed to find something that I was sort of half interested and no longer just coasting along day to day, turning up to my bar and restaurant job. And it was actually then when I met the hygienist. And up until then, I actually didn't know what a hygienist was or what a hygienist did. She was great, though. She did 
four days a week, kind of did like 10 till four, went on like three exotic holidays a year. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Had you in the holidays, three holidays a year. I'm down with that. Yeah, minimum. So she became my mentor and sort of my inspiration. But I knew the odds were stacked against me because to become a hygienist, you need to go to university. To get into university, you need A-levels. So I'm already like, oh, okay, we have a few little snags here, but let's make all these things work in my favor. I already had 10 years professional working experience by this point. I'm 26. So I'm like, what do my GCSEs and A-levels have to do with the price of sliced bread today? Because you can't put a sort of grade on life experience and professional background. So I had that in my favor. I'd also done my dental nursing. And while I was doing my dental nursing, I also did things like my dental radiography training, which will then again help to strengthen my application. Then I just wrote a personal statement. The first one I wrote, someone read it for me and and scrapped it up and said, come back and you need to really, really put yourself out there. So then I rewrote my personal statement to basically say that I know I don't have what you want in terms of grades, but I have the following and I'm not going to accept no as an answer and I'm going to keep applying until you let me in. And then lo and behold, (laughs) that September, off I go to university. Oh my gosh, amazing. Love it. Good. So that just was like a sort of anyone who feels that you're a bit, you know, if you're the underdog, where there's a will, there's a way. And everything is possible. And it's just putting you out there, you and your individuality, your authenticity to say, this is me. This is my situation. I want this. This is what I can do. And here I am. And had I not got in with what I had, I would have considered, you know, studying for another year and doing my A-level in science, for example, or whatever was required, you know, that would all form part of my journey sort of thing. And then the door opened for uni for you to head on back. In fact, I was offered two places at two different universities. Wow, fantastic. Bearing in mind, I was the girl that essentially, you know, I had a pocket full of good GCSEs, no A-levels, and then my music qualifications, which have no relevance to teeth now whatsoever. Off you went then. So second time round, this opportunity, the door swung open for you. Which university did you go to? So I studied at Eastman Dental Hospital. So it's part of UCL in London and I've never left since. Amazing. Okay, fantastic. So at what point did you then qualify yourself as hygienist to be able to go off and get working in that capacity? So 2013 is the year I went to university. I qualified in 2015 in hygiene and then the adjustment of finding your feet all over again in a completely different environment and working professionally at a completely different level. So that takes a bit of adjustment as well. And I would say, truthfully, in my first six months after qualifying, I had the worst sort of reality shock. It wasn't this golden job that I thought I was going to find myself in. I even questioned if I even wanted to be a hygiene. Oh my gosh. So after all of that, you know, determination and grit, I nearly chucked it all away. I think I'm one of those people like through frustration and disappointment, it's some kind of catalyst for then pushing me up to the next level. Driving you forward. Yeah, I'm not a quitter, but I wasn't happy in the places I was working. I felt very lonely. I felt very isolated. It is quite a lonely job for some people at times. It's difficult as well when you're newly qualified, particularly in any sort of skill, um, having that confidence to treat patients safely and effectively. And you just kind of want someone there to hold your hand a little bit. It wasn't just something you could wing. Maybe I'd winged everything else in my life. And this was one of those things where I couldn't do that. 
London Hygienist was born out of some market research around hygienist services within London. In 2013, they brought in something called direct access, which meant you could then see a hygienist or a therapist within their scope of practice without seeing a dentist first. So before you needed a prescription from the dentist, but they scrapped that. So I was like, this is going to be something one day. Um, Googled London Hygienist while I was at uni, nothing came up. So I essentially bought the .com and the .co.uk and just sat on it and I did nothing with it. You just knew though, this is me. I am the London hygienist. Clearly there's a gap in the market for me to fill. And this is me. I was like, this is ridiculous. That's what it says on the tin as well. You know, it's very like Chicago pizza, LA gym. You know, it's very definitive. But also at that time, you know, social media was massively up in terms of, I guess, use as a marketing tool. So swiped up all the social media handles for London hygienists and again, just parked them to one side. But my dream was always to qualify, work on Harley Street, X amount per hour, per week, per day, and live happily ever after. And I did that. With your three holidays, your three exotic holidays. Yeah, I got to that point, but then I realized that it wasn't making me happy at all. If anything, I hated it. So through a series of events and just my own frustration, that's when I decided to basically make London Hygienist a thing. It's as if it was like, it is here for you, for the taking for a reason, but only you can bring it to life. And whether you accelerate and do that very quickly or you just keep plodding along, whatever, this is it. You're stuck with it. And then I think once I got over maybe some of my own limiting belief factors and started putting my head above the parapet and started pushing those, you know, glass ceilings. Then all of a sudden, I guess the confidence within myself and my brand and my offering, I then started to flourish. And I also would say that I was probably at that point as a woman, you know, 28 to 30, feel like you get a second puberty. So you go from being like a teenager to a young woman at 18. You think you know everything. You don't. You're an idiot. And then I feel like I went through this whole change physically, mentally and emotionally. And it was almost like a new lease of life for me and everything that had stood before and what was to come. And then I really found my flow with the business. But it's one of those things. It's a juggling act. I'm very fortunate in the sense like I don't have dependents, for example, but I still probably juggle and try and do way more than I may be sort of physically and mentally capable of at times. But I like the challenge and I keep pushing myself more. It's because you're fully booked out for like 400 months ahead of time. If you want to book Anna or anyone, you're going to have to really book ahead, like December or something, there's a gap. But it's great. But what makes me happy as well is that I found great enjoyment in my patients and my work. But it's really helped reshape the industry and pave way for others. I'm a big believer in paying it forward, but I'm also celebrate the fact that there's enough pie to go around for everybody. And I will help other women and men accelerate and find their happiness and flow and work autonomously like I have been able to. That's great. Sharing the love in all the ways. Oh, and then obviously I went back to uni again during lockdown because I love academia. <laughs> you like going back to uni, don't you, Anna? My goodness. No, this is it now. So anyway, the business has grown and evolved so much that I was missing a trick by not being a dental therapist. So a dental therapist is like a mini dentist, which therefore means now I can carry out dental examinations and I can also carry out like fillings, for example. So with all those patients that were coming to see me for hygiene, I 
was giving away so much work because I was like, these people still need to go and see a dentist for all those things that I can't do. But having been in dentistry for so long by this point, I was like, I can fix that. I can do that. That's amazing. And even better, really, because kind of only one mouth in your hands and then not have to go anywhere else. So yeah, exactly. And it's really helped improve access to oral health care and services, which is something I was always very passionate about to be able to give to patients and, and do something a little bit different, really. And I guess it's a reminder as well that we never stop learning and never stop pushing ourselves. We're always growing. We're always learning. We're always evolving, you know, so that's really great. So three times in the end, you went, <laughs> and you still will. You'll keep going back. Don't forget the two post-grad diplomas and the courses. I need to now take all those things that I've learned over the last few years and just really now like apply them. Yeah. So like I've got all these new skills, but now I just need to sort of start like refining them and perfecting them. And, you know, we'll never be perfect, but I spent five years excelling in dental hygiene and now I'm starting all over again as a therapist. So I feel, you know, it can be frustrating at times because I know in my head, for example, how to do a particular filling, but then things just aren't going the way I want them to on that day. And because I'm a perfectionist, I get frustrated. So even I need to step back sometimes and say, hold on a second, you're not going to get them perfect overnight. And I've still got what another 25, 30 years of a working career to perfect these things. Yeah, it's building blocks. It's laying all the foundations down and and everything comes with time. I think we forget that sometimes. Got to give ourselves, cut us some slack. Yeah, when you're driven, it's like you wanted everything yesterday. And I would say I'm very much one of those. I was at the beginning. And to a certain degree, I still am with certain things. But I have also learned to just step back and just take each day as it comes and, and kind of enjoy the journey as much as the results or the end product or finish line. Yeah, it's that grounding, isn't it now, really? I think it's good. So now, have you always been, has your practice always been in Chelsea? Is that where you kind of made a beeline for? How did it come to be that you were specifically there? I run the brand out of the clinic. So I work in Chelsea Dental Clinic where I see the patients of the practice, but I also see my own patients there. And then I'm also at Knightsbridge. And when I'm at Knightsbridge, I only see my patients. That's right. You are, of course, because I remember trying to get you. I mean, literally, I think I like called both and caught and left like 4,000 messages, 4,000 emails. And I was just like, and they're like, oh no, there's no, try the other one. Try, there's got to be a gap somewhere. I think I just waited and kept on. I was the person knocking the door until I finally got my appointment. I was like, right, done. Yeah, but the story with Chelsea is actually a really nice story. So Dr. Rona Iskander, who owns Chelsea Dental Clinic, I used to work with her on a Saturday when I was training as a hygienist. So I still used to work as a dental nurse through an agency, always working, always getting that money. So I went to work with Rona at a little practice in Wandsworth and Rona and I just clicked immediately. But she also was very much about sort of personal branding and particularly within dentistry. So if you have a look at her online, she's got over 100,000 followers, you know, has been featured far and wide. And together we sort of grew and blossomed as not only friends, but professionals and I guess powerful women within the industry. Again, someone who I look up to very dearly and I'm very close with. When she started to work at Chelsea, this was before she actually owned it. She was working at Chelsea Dental. And it really, you know, it went from having sort of no patients a day to all of us being fully booked. In fact, her diary is closed till the end of the year. 
and we're having more surgeries built downstairs. So, you know, again, being surrounded by powerful women and men who help encourage and where you're all sharing the same sort of drive goals and long-term ambitions really does help accelerate your ability and things like that. Yeah, your confidence, your self-belief, all of those things. It's amazing. It's just incredible. And it's just so nice to hear all of the behind the scenes to kind of elements that have taken you to where you are today. So thank you so much for sharing. And um, I will see you myself at some point soon, I'm sure. <laughs> we have our three monthly checks. So, And of course, if you would like to book Anna or see a little bit more about her, you can head on to the podcast page and go to her website and her social media handles to give her a follow and um, if you want perfectly clean wonderful teeth then yes put them in Anna's hands and you will um, be very happy and that's it for today Anna thank you so very much for coming on thank you pleasure as always and I'll see you soon see you soon Well, that was amazing. I hope you all enjoyed Anna and her honest and candid and inspiring journey and the reality of starting over and changing things. To have to go back and retrain, you know, all that work that has to go into that training. That's not a quick, sudden decision to change tack and do and then to invest all your time into doing. And yeah, massively inspiring and encouraging for certain. And so I hope it's resonated with you in all the ways. If you want to go and see Anna, go and get her her booked in. If you're in London or ever through London, I suggest you not only is she an incredible human being, but she is actually amazingly good and talented at what she does and what she has created and continues to create. She's only going to keep on accelerating in all the right ways with her amazing business and brand and flying the flag for inspiring others everywhere too. And that's it for today, everyone. That takes us nicely to the end of another guest episode. And the next episode will be our last. It'll be the season finale. And I'll be covering all things resilience, which feels like quite an apt way to tie up the season, sharing everything I have to share about my own ability to have a lot of resilience and how I have gotten through every hurdle thrown at me in every different way. And really, I should be on the floor and I'm not and how that's possible sharing all of that and imparting it all with you, giving you all of my energy to then carry you through until season four kicks off again later in the year. That's it for now. As always, wishing you well. Keep all your ducks in a row. Keep all those naysayers away from you. And here's till next time. 